So this morning, uh, the passage that Ken read from the book of Acts, I think is a, is a powerful and amazing passage. But for me, in order to understand it, I, I think that we have to go back a little bit to find out just why Peter and John had been arrested. You see, Peter and John had gone to the temple, and as they were at the temple in the courtyard on Solomon's portico, they come across a man who was lame. And Peter heals him, just as he had been commanded to. And then as a crowd gathered around, amazed at the work that Peter had done, Peter starts to preach to the people, to teach them, to tell them all the wondrous things that he knew about Jesus Christ. He was telling them that in Jesus there is resurrection of the dead, and he was telling them that it was through the power of Jesus Christ that this man had been healed of his lameness, and he was telling them all these wonderful things. He starts teaching them about how all of the scriptures pointed to Jesus from Moses on. And he's just telling them everything that he knows. And he is preaching with boldness and with sureness of heart. And the authorities gather around. And they are annoyed by what Peter is doing. It says that in scripture, it says that they were very much annoyed by Peter and his words and his actions, and so they arrested them. They took Peter and they took John and they threw them in jail. And the next day they brought them out for a bit of an inquisition. They brought them back out into the courtyard and they surrounded them with the leaders. And and our reading for the day picks up that next day as the Inquisition begins, as they set Peter and John in the midst of them and they say to them, by whose authority did you do these things? Did you do this thing? By whose authority are you out there healing somebody? Who gave you the right to do that? That's essentially what the questions that they were asking Peter and John came down to. Who told you that you could do this thing? They don't deny that the man had been healed. They don't deny any of the things that Peter was saying. They just look at him and said, who gave you the right to do that? Who told you that you could come to the temple and heal somebody? Who told you that you could do that? Because it certainly wasn't them. They, the authorities, they had tight control and they had tight reign over everything that happened in the religious and the spiritual lives of the people. They had tight control and tight reign over everything that happened in the life of the temple. If something was, if somebody was going to be healed in the temple, they were going to make sure that they were the ones who were okaying it. You see, any sort of illness or any sort of uh, disability or any sort of anything that a person was dealing with, blindness, lameness, deafness, leprosy, any of that, that was the result of some sort of sin. You did something wrong and so God was punishing you for your sin. Or perhaps... It was your parents that did something wrong. Remember the question that they asked Jesus. Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind from birth, him or his parents? 
And so if somebody was going to be healed of their lameness, that meant that they would have to be forgiven of the sins. And in order to be forgiven, they would have had to go through uh, the ritual. They would have had to go through the sacrifice. They would have had to do the right things in the right order as they were ordained and stated by the leaders. And here comes Peter, walking along, just healing people. Who gave you the right to do this? Who said that you could heal that man? Who told you you could just do that? Who told you that it was okay to forgive that man and heal his brokenness? They're questioning Peter. And then something decidedly wonderful happens. Peter, in his defense, he both answers the question and defies the very fact that they're asking the question. He says to them, basically, look, if doing a good thing has led to us being questioned, then here it is. This man was healed by the authority of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, who you killed, by the way. And in his answering the question, he affirms the power of Jesus and the work that was done, that it was done in the name of Jesus Christ, and draws into question the, the ones that are asking the question. Because he provides a beautiful metaphor for Jesus. He says that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the strongest point in our lives of faith. He is the thing that holds us together. He is the rock on which we stand without whom the whole thing, our lives, everything would fall apart. And yet you rejected him. Why should I care about you and your questions about who gave me the right to do this? He's basically saying to them, you know what, I'm not going to concern myself with your rules. I'm not going to concern myself with what you think about who is worthy and who has done enough and who has done the right things. Because you rejected Jesus himself. And he is essentially saying, for me, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. And this is a pretty powerful thought for me personally, as especially as I think about all the ways that people can feel that they're not good enough, that they don't do enough, that they aren't enough. For God, for forgiveness, for being a part of a community. Day in and day out, people are told in subtle and in, in overt and powerful ways that they aren't good enough, that they haven't done the right things. That they haven't said the right things. That they aren't enough to be deserving of God's love, of God's forgiveness. Day in and day out, people feel like the man in the temple waiting and begging for healing but finding nothing. Feeling not good enough. Perhaps many of us here have felt that in our own lives. 
And then we have the words of Peter. Saying, I am doing this by the name of Jesus. And that changes everything because Jesus didn't care about who was good enough. Jesus didn't care about who was righteous enough. Jesus didn't care about what you did or what you didn't do. Jesus just cared about you. And he gathered all of the people to him, calling them from far and wide. And in that beautiful passage from John, he tells his disciples, I have sheep who are not a part of this fold, but they hear my voice and they know my voice and I draw them to me for I am the good shepherd. Pulling all people to him without regard to what society or culture or the rules say who is good and righteous. He is drawing us all to him. And to me, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because it reminds me that God calls us all. Regardless of what's going on in our lives, God calls us all. Regardless of where we have been in our lives, God calls us all. Regardless of anything, God calls us all. God calls us all. The lost, the broken, the forsaken, the wounded. God calls us and brings us together. Sisters and brothers, the kingdom of God isn't going to be built with stones that have been polished and perfected and chosen simply for that, but the the kingdom of God is going to be built with us. The people that God has called to him. The people that God has brought together. Us. In all of our imperfections and in all of our brokenness and in all of our lostness and in all of our wonderings and our wanderings, God is calling all of us to him. Sisters and brothers, it is amazing and powerful to think about that. As I was preparing for this morning, I was going back through um, words that I've written in the past, and and I came across this, this sermon that I wrote. This was last year for this Sunday, actually. And it was a different scripture passage, but it was about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And I found these words um, that we talked about, and I just, I was struck by how important it is for us to hear again and again the call of God to us. For you who are seeking, who are searching, who are longing to know God in your life, you are welcome. Because God calls you to him. And God calls you. God calls you as you are. God calls you for who you are. God calls you and brings you to him. And you are welcome in God's kingdom, in God's family. And you are welcome here. So whether you are young or old, you are welcome 
and God draws you to him. Whether you are rich or poor or somewhere in between, you are welcome, and God draws you to him. Whether you are married, single, or divorced, you are welcome, and God calls you and draws you to him. Whether you struggle with addiction or never touch a drop of alcohol, you are welcome. Whether you dress to the nines every Sunday because you believe that God deserves your best or you dress in jeans and a t-shirt because you believe that you need to come to God as you are every day, you are welcome. And God calls you and draws you to him. Whether you are sure in your faith or you are questioning and searching, you are welcome. Whether you sick or healthy, whether you have a criminal record or have never had so much as a speeding ticket, whether you have a college degree or never completed high school, you are welcome and God draws you and calls you to him. Whether you live typically or differently abled, you are welcome. Whether you have tattoos and piercings or a needle has never touched your body, you are welcome. Whether you love men or women, no matter who you are, you are welcome. And God calls you to him. Whether you are full of energy and can barely sit still through a hymn or a children's sermon, or whether you enjoy the peaceful meditation of the sanctuary before the hustle and the bustle of all of it begin, you are are welcome and God calls you to him whether you fit fully into any of these categories or fall somewhere in between on all of them you are welcome because you sisters and brothers you are not something to be rejected but you are the stones with which God is going to build his kingdom sisters and brothers you are the sheep that Jesus would lay down his life for, that Jesus did lay down his life for, and you are a part of this family no matter what. All of us are neither deserving nor undeserving of God's love and grace because God gives his grace to us fully and completely without question. Extending it to all. Sharing God's love. Showing God's mercy. And giving us God's own peace. Sisters and brothers. Know that there is not a stone that is rejected. By the chief cornerstone. And that God calls us all. To build his kingdom. In this world. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the fact that you have called us all, that, that we are your children and, and you, you bring us to you. We ask that you help us to not reject others that you have given into this community. We ask that you help us to embrace the fact that you have called us into community and help us to see how we can help you to build your kingdom in this world. Thank you for not rejecting us. Thank you for loving us for who we are and thank you for taking us and shaping us and forming us into the best that we can be. Thank you for who you have made us and all that you have given us in our lives. Bless us, O oh Lord, that we may know your love and your mercy each and every day.
Amen.